It's Clout. Welcome to Clout with Richard Green. By the way, a real treat. Do you know Firesign Theater? Yes. Guess who's our guest in the second hour? Oh, man. Oh, wait, 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 wait. The answer oh. would be Firesign Theater. But they have like famous actors, right? Well, there, there, there are a number of members of the group, and we've got two of them. Right, right, that are right. Because they're doing another tour. It's starting in Los Angeles, and it's going to be very exciting. When we come back, we're going to play some of their stuff. Ah, cool, cool. Firesign cool. Theater, the classic. I spoke to um, Jonah, um, what's his name? Uh, Friedlander, uh-huh. who is a, plays, you know, one just Emmy, the 30 Rock, all of that. Right. And he said, yeah, they're class, they're legends. Firesign Theater. As a you know comedian, you you I'm sure yeah, appreciate yeah, yeah, them. So yeah, we'll yeah. do that when we come back. Bring some sanity to your office place. Listen live at KTLK AM eleven fifty dot com. Now another hour of K Talk AM eleven fifty. Progressive, the new mainstream. You're listening to Clout. Clout with Richard Green. Hey, remember her as Audrey Farber? Audrey Farber? Susan Underhill? Susan Underhill? How about Betty Jo Bialowski? Betty Jo Bialowski. I hadn't heard that name since college. Everyone knew her as Nancy. Then it all came rushing back to me like the hot kiss at the end of a wet fist. It was pig night at the O Money Padme Sigma house. Oh, mighty fun. It escaped from the crowd and stood trembling under the dwarf maple. Oh, oh, Nicky, I... I don't know what to say. This is the most beautiful ring I've ever seen. Yeah, Nancy, it's really neat. It cost me $5,000. Oh, Nicky, how can I ever repay you? Well, gee whiz, Nancy. How about 500 down and a 36-month contract? What? Or you could marry me. That's impossible, Nick. I can't marry you. I can't even tell you why. Maybe someday. All right, Nancy. I understand. Sign here. Oh, Nick. I'll never forgive you. And I'll never forget you neither, Nancy. And that's why I called you today, Nancy. I mean, Mrs. Haber. Something reminded me of that time so long ago under the dwarf maples. I don't know what prompted you to get in touch with me, but you called just in the nick of time. So the L.A. Weekly's Doug Harvey says their classic comedy albums rank among the greatest narrative experiments of the 20th century. Entertainment Weekly says one of the 30 greatest comedy acts of all time. We're talking about Firesign Theater, and we have Phil Austin and David Osman from Firesign Theater on Hollywood Cloud on our Friday comedy night. Gentlemen, uh, thank you for your contributions to comedy and for coming on Air America tonight. Well, thank you for your contributions to us, Richard. And I, I agree. Am- yeah, this is David at this end and Phil at that end. Hi, Phil. Hi. Yeah. Hey, I'm so glad you guys uh, were able to provide a forum for you two to talk. Yeah, well, we're so glad to be able to talk to anybody. <laughs> we're just desperate for talking. Well, but you're, you're going to be talking to all of Los Angeles pretty soon. You're actually Good. coming out of hiding or uh, that bunker that you were sharing with Dick Cheney or whatever. Uh, Hollywood's Barnsdale Gallery Theater, Wednesday, October 14 through Saturday, October 17 in Los Angeles. Uh, what, uh, you know, why? What's, what was wrong with what you were doing before? 
We The last time we were in Los Angeles was 2005. We were out at Cerritos in a great big theater where we had a very good time with a bunch of people. But this time we decided we were coming back to our old hometown, Hollywood, and we were going to do four shows in a small theater, which is uh, about over those four shows we'll have about the same amount of people as we would have had in a big theater. And we're going to do a much more intimate and uh, descriptive and fabulous little show that you're going to enjoy coming to see. Okay. So you were saying thank you for my contributions. Uh, you, you know my comedy work? <laughs> oh, of course. You're, you are really a funny guy, Richard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, do you guys ever listen to Air America? Sure, yeah. of course. It was, uh, last, we were on Air America. I mean, we've all been. I was on in New York with um, a fellow in New York last year when we were in town. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, uh, Proctor, and didn't Proctor uh, go down to, or was that Bertman who was down in uh, in Portland? I mean, where were you guys are? Right. That was well, the Tom Hartman show before Tom yeah, actually, I think, left Air America. But whatever's left of don't, Air, don't, Air don't, America, don't. Richard, you are it, and we're happy you're here. <laughs> Absolutely. Especially left. these days, especially given the headlines that we read constantly, we're, we're, we're happy that someone has a brain in their heads. And, and yeah. uh, you know, at any point, <laughs> at any exactly. point. Are, are you There's saying... funny about having a brain in their head. Are, are you saying that Glenn Beck and Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity are, are, are not good enough? for you that that's not wait a, hold it how can you criticize glenn beck the man is an idol he's like become the new uh uh preacher of the airwaves he roams around he has a stupid blackboard he he <laughs> says incredibly insane things this guy is invented a new religion of some kind and you have the balls to try and say something against him i think that maybe that you're on the wrong track here richard what should I be doing? You should be worshiping Glenn Beck. Glenn Beck I, has somehow got all the answers, doesn't he? Well, well, here's, here's, well, call me crazy, but here's what gives <laughs> what gives me pause in terms of really surrendering my life to this man and and bowing down and 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 prostrating myself in front of the 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 temple of Glenn Beck. Uh, Greg, can you can you play for our friends from Firesign Theater? My favorite Glenn Beck. Oh, oh, I don't know if we can call I, it. A, I'm, wait a minute. I got to kneel down. I'm kneeling. Down. Kneel down. I want everyone to kneel down because this okay. is the epitome of sanity on the American right. Oh boy. Here we go. Ready? Take yeah. a deep breath. Get oh, ready go, to go, be go, reverential. Go. This is okay. Glenn Beck. What? About six weeks ago, in responding to a caller in a very intelligent, spiritually soulful way. But, I don't care. You people don't care about the trillions. Get off my phone! I'm going to lose my mind today. Now, we're talking... What a great... Seeing his articulation, the way he forms those <laughs> words. I mean, and, and wait a minute. Here's the key. The key thing about Glenn Beck is that he makes Rush Limbaugh look sane. There you go. That's it. I think you're right. We're talking to David Osman and Phil Austin from Firesign Theater. And uh, we're analyzing. Well, let's, let's just go through and we'll get to your work in a minute. Um, cool. Let's go through, you know, the contemporary comedians in American culture right now. So we've got Glenn Beck, comedian Glenn Beck. Yeah. Um, and anything else you want to say about Glenn before we move on to Rush? 
Well, I would like to say that without, in other words, everything comes in twos, right? And Glenn, without Glenn Beck, you would not have Keith Oberman. <laughs> and without Keith Oberman, you would not have Glenn Beck. And the two of them together uh, somehow articulate a theological system that we can somehow all believe in, which is that we all want to come to some kind of weird agreement with each other without having to deal with the extremes. So if there is any, if there are any centrists out there, I'm interested in talking to our fellow centrists, no matter of who or what the hell center they're in. I'm, I'm in a center and I feel everybody else is in a center too. Well, is it, we is it also called an, it might be called an institution by some, yeah. but you're in a center. I was going to say that there's some, there's a few centers you don't want to get into there. I exactly. guess. Oh, oh. Well, or maybe there's some centers we should be into and that we didn't know about. You know, I mean, we have survived, uh, uh, you know, several revolutions in our time after having been around for 40 years. You know, things have... Have they changed, Phil? I can't remember. Wait yeah. a minute. Things have changed, David. I swear oh. to God, the Fire Theater has been around so long. We've been through at least, what, 27 revolutions of the Earth around the sun, or wait a minute, is it the moon around Mars? I forget what yeah, it is. Yeah, something like that. It uh, got very yeah. close once, and we were there, almost there. Yeah, see, you're, you are now listening, you, my audience, are now listening to a very spontaneous stream of consciousness from a brilliant comedic group that started a long time ago, what, 27 years ago? Years oh, 42 ago. years ago. We were on the radio before most of your listeners were born. Well, yeah. I've, got, I've got a very old group of oh, listeners. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I was on the radio before, they, even before they were born. <laughs> there you, know, you go. Tyabita. You but, know, Tyabita is an old man and actually ran for vice president back in 1976. I have a lot of political experience myself. What was your platform, George? What the hell was your platform? Oh, it was about two inches off the ground so nobody uh, would fall off and get hurt. What do you think? What the hell? I, you know, I should just shut up and let you guys just riff. No, 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 don't, Richard. We need you in this case. <laughs> yeah. We've talked to each other long enough. <laughs> um, okay, well, hold on. I have to go back to something. I think it was you, Phil, that you said. You were, you were putting Glenn back in the same category, essentially, as um, Keith Oberman. Did, did you really yeah. mean that? No, I actually don't, because I love <laughs> Keith Oberman. I swear to God, I'm a liberal. I, I, I admit it. I, my God, I am an actual liberal, and I go with Keith all the way. However, what seems to me to be the weirdest thing You're is sleeping that with Keith, Keith Oberman? has to go to extremes in order to match the extremes yes. that Glenn Beck and Rush Limbaugh go to. And I think that's almost kind of a problem for a guy as intelligent as Oberman. That you have that, and, and I admire what he's doing because on a day by day basis, he's actually trying to shoot down the extravagances of what the right is trying to do right now. And what we on the left tend to forget is that the right is so small that they don't care anymore, that they don't, they do not have to answer to any large constituency. So the, all they have to do is take extremely extreme measures and just see if they get onto YouTube. And what we're really dealing with here is uh, the fact that we're in, we're suddenly now in the YouTube world. We're suddenly in a world now where everything is watched, where everything is seen. And uh, if you have crazy people working in that medium and getting getting people to their cause, you have to have someone on the left who is willing to go far out enough to actually try and answer them, and Keith Oberman is doing that. So my hat's off to him. But at the same time, as a comedian, I reserve the right to make fun of him. 
Wow. No, I think that actually was a very astute analysis. And, yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, but I, I do think it's part of the brilliance and genius of Keith Oberman that he can go to the extreme. I mean, when he comes up with those special, yeah. those special comments, and especially during the Bush administration, we needed yeah, it's true, and I, and I think Rachel Maddow is doing a, a really an incredible job, kind of uh, more toward the center. She doesn't have to take as entertainment-based a position as she, but I think Rachel is turning out to be a really intelligent and, and wonderful spokesman for a kind of uh, intelligence in this country that needs to be, needs to be listened to. I, I agree. I, I don't know if you actually took away some of the bombast and some of the anger of Keith Oberman, and I don't think that there would be a very big difference, if any, between his position and and Rachel and Rachel's no, the on, positions on are, the positions are definitely much the same. And and you know the other person that's impressing me lately is this guy that's on right after Joe Scarborough in the mornings on TV. Uh, Dylan uh, Radigan. Dylan, his name is Dylan. Dylan Radigan. Yeah who's also on a financial level seems to me to be taking pretty intelligent positions and he was wonderful with Michael Moore this morning. Oh, you know what? I didn't I didn't see that, but Yeah, um, it was good. Michael Michael Moore's been very good on the, on the air lately as well. So I'm I'm hoping that these kind of uh what the what the right would consider to be radical positions uh at least are getting out on the airwaves enough so that thinking people in the center can start understanding that the that that the left is not a bunch of crazy people but we're just trying to get across ideas that uh that hopefully will seep through the mass of uh, insane right-wing commentary but let me and, let me let me ask you we're talking to Phil Austin and David Osman um, and from, don't let me talk too much. Let's talk to David. <laughs> no, no, no. We will. We we got to take a break and we'll come back. But I just wanted to throw this out. I mean, you you said something that I thought was very relevant, and I I've pondered this all the time. The the radical right, which seems to be dominating that you know the cover of Newsweek with Glenn Beck and 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 Limbaugh and all of that, is essentially small. But they're so damn vocal. Since we have the majority, should we just tell them to go shut the you know what up and just ignore them? Uh, this is, you know, what I find interesting is the position Michael Moore tends to take in these interviews he's doing on TV lately, which is that there is a populist movement that that actually comes from the far left and the far right. And if you take away the uh, accusations of racism and things like that, and you find a kind of populist movement that is beginning to develop that has to do with feeling that the financial institutions, the banks and so forth, should be regulated and are not being regulated, and that our Congress and most of our politicians seem to be in the pocket of uh, gigantic corporations, that maybe there's a centrist area here we can, on both sides, we can start agreeing on, and we can kind of leave the extreme. Well, interesting. And, and I did not expect this kind of interview, um, but you are a very sage political analyst, Phil. we got to take a break. We'll come back with Phil Austin and David Osman from Firesign Theater here on Hollywood Clout. Get on the bus. L.A.'s talk station is K-Talk AM 1150. Progressive, the new mainstream. Now back to Cloud. You're listening to Cloud with Richard Green. 
Okay, we have David Osman and Phil Austin from Firesign Theater. Little did I know that they are like crack political analysts. Um, we've been talking to Phil and about uh, Keith Oberman and Glenn Beck. And, and you made a comment, Phil, uh, which I want to respond to. But I also want to see if David wants to chime in before I, I respond to your centrist comment. Well, uh, <laughs> by centrist, do you mean Nancy Pelosi, or was it uh, Rockefeller that you had in mind? No, I mean, it, I'm, I'm trying to look for a centrist here. But uh, you said that because the, the, the far left and the far right have become, in essence, populist, and as a result, therefore, they've created kind of a new center. Um, I don't know. I, I do think that it makes a difference whether you end up on the other side of the world by going, you know, east as opposed to going west. And, um, you know, how the left gets at a quote unquote populist place, I think, is so fundamentally different. I mean, I think that the right hates just and is, is deathly afraid of big government. And I think the left actually, you know, comes at it without that fear, without that paranoia, without well, that know, hatred. It, it, Really, Richard, it doesn't have anything to do on the on the radical left with big government. It has to do with the people who are in the government. The white guys, remember, with the suits and ties, those guys <laughs> who have uh, health insurance and, uh, you know, offices and all, all the things that they have. Uh, those are things that most Americans don't have. And uh, so I, I, I think that the, the left, as well as the right, has to have lost respect in the American government, not in the ability of the government, so, so much of the ability of the government to take care of um, national parks uh, or, you know, easy things like that. But if it causes any difficulty in Iowa or uh, Montana or other highly populous, uh, uh, you know, populate uh, places in the country, or let's say a wonderful state like South Carolina, which started the Civil War and which still harbors, you know, an enormous amount of really, really wonderful folks down there. These people, uh, you know, in the government, who can like any of them, left or right? That's where the populist movement comes from. Bail out the banks? Well, yeah, and then what? You know, uh, let the insurance companies have their way? Well, yeah, but then what? To get a bill passed? I'm sorry. That doesn't work. That is uh, okay, that's okay. where, that's Excellent. where the populists Excellent. come together. Okay, Phil Austin, David Osman, Fireside Theater, and more political commentary from them here on Air America. Stay tuned. Bold. Outspoken. Original. Progressive. Progressive. The new mainstream. K-Talk AM 1150. Clout. Clout with Richard Green. Show it me. Sweet, my lord, I have. No, no, sweet Marie, I'm speaking to these soldiers here. Mark, it seems to float like oil upon the sea. I'll be not gulled. Hand me my sword, flask man. What use is sober steel against a ghost, my prince? A ghost? It hops up King Bernardo's crumbling tower, my lord. The goats? The ghost, sweet prince. Methought they spoke of goats upon the battlements. Nay, ghost, my lord. Well, be he ghost or goat, or ghost of goat or both, our spirits need to goad my spirits on. <laughs> The spook will speak with thee. He perches there upon the tower's tiply top. I'm here, deceased parent. Thou poor and foolish prince, 
I learned there all I could and burned it down. I doubt they'll have me back. To Norway go, where nights like day are followed fast by days of endless night and books of Viking days. Okay, um, that is a sample of the bizarre and enormously creative Firesign Theater comedy legends. Um, and they are making a rare Southern California appearance. Coming back, they're both... Our two guests are on different islands in Washington State. It's about as far away from civilization as they can get, but they're coming back. Hollywood's Barnsdale Gallery Theater, Theater Wednesday, October 14 through Saturday, October 17. We are joined by David Osman and uh, Phil Austin from Firesign Theater. Uh, tell us a little bit about your shtick, your comedy, and how the things we've been listening to tonight happened. Well, it was interesting that you played what you just played is from <clears throat> Anything You Want To, which is our extended uh, uh, Shakespearean uh, travesty. And we will be doing, actually, we'll be, we'll be performing quite a bit of, of Anything You Want To uh, at, uh, at, at Barnesville, as well as Nick Danger, which you started the show out with, which is probably our, our best-known uh, uh, work from uh, gee, 40 years ago now, but it still plays like a charm, and we'll be uh, we'll be doing it live. And also, don't crush that dwarf. Hand me the pliers, which is probably the next uh, most uh, famous work or best selling or whatever. You know, don't, what, is it, what is it? Don't crush that dwarf. Hand me the pliers. Don't crush that dwarf. Hand me the pliers. It was all about television, you know. In those days, uh, you, you know, you, you you had to click from one channel to another. And uh, some people, you know, their TVs were old and they were broken. They had to use a pair of pliers to change channels. We all had to do that. There was not one television set in America that I saw when I was growing up that had that little plastic thing uh, still working. You always had to, like, get the pliers and turn the thing. There you go. You're telegraphing your own age, Richard. And could we mention that in order <laughs> to get tickets to the Firesign Theater shows, you need to actually go to your computer and look up firesigntheater.com, and it doesn't matter how you spell theater. You can spell it R-E or you can spell it E-R. And there will be Isn't there a th? on that first page information on how you can buy tickets to the Firesign Theater's Barnsdale Gallery shows on the 14th through the 17th of October of this year. I was and actually going to make a that's silly really comment. Exciting about that, Richard, is yes. that, and Phil mentioned this, is that it's a small house, and we haven't played a small house in Los Angeles or anywhere for that matter uh, since way since back in the what, 60s. What do you, but we used to play uh, the Ash Grove and other you know folk music clubs at that time. So it's really exciting to be ten rows away from the back of the house to have people right there listening. Uh, uh, in an intimate way, and we we haven't been able to do that. You know, the conventional thing is to play big houses and get them all in, and all, and you know, be grand and all of that, and then go away the next day. But we're we're going to stick around for four days in L.A. and see as many friends as we can, and uh, reestablish as many contacts as we can in uh, in Hollywood. And of course, a lot of what we do is about Hollywood. I mean, Don't Crush That Dwarf is all about Hollywood and all about the movies. Well, let's play so, it. Greg, do you have that? Do you have the Don't Crush That Dwarf? 
Okay. It, well, you know, Greg doesn't know what the titles are of anything. If he yeah. plugs something in, we're all at his mercy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll we'll take we'll take a just a random shot at one in in just a minute. Okay. Let's try. Let's so, see what happens. But before we before we get to that, um, what, what's the biggest audience you guys played when you were you know doing doing a lot more touring back in the sixties and seventies? Oh, uh, probably Carnegie Hall. I would say that that was one of the most memorable, although we played the Beacon Theater in New York several times, and we played uh, Town Hall in New York. We played the Wiltern in Los Angeles. We played a bunch of theaters, huge theaters in Berkeley and so forth. Paramount. We are are at the point right now where what we're doing is examining almost 40 years of our past work and really looking at it. uh, In other words, the oddest thing about us is that these four guys, who are all of us hitting about 70 years old right now, who have been around since the late 60s, we're still together. We're still an actual comedy group that's actually still together. We have not ever branched out enough that we've left each other. We're still friends. We're still talking. This odd conversation that we started on KPFK in Los Angeles in 1966 is still going on and that we're going to showcase it in a series of shows that we're not all that sure exactly what's going to happen. We're kind of interested in seeing where we're all at. We did uh, a run at this show in Monterey in April and had a really good time to a big house at the Golden State Theater up there. And we're encouraged. We're interested in, I don't know, we're interested, we're interested in ourselves. What well, can I say? It's, I just went to your website, www.firesigntheater.com which of course comes from the fact that all four of you are astrologically fire signs which is very cute. I know. Um, all four of you there and you've been called the Beatles of comedy. firesigntheater.com that's that's David where did the Beatles of comedy did that come from the library came of Congress? From, the, from the Library of Congress yeah. and uh, the Library of Congress only takes a few albums into its permanent collection each year. And uh, about three years ago, uh, Don't Crush That Dwarf was added to the collection, and I believe there were only six or eight other comedy releases in the, in the, you know, two or three hundred, uh, you know, uh, archives of the Library of Congress. And we were the only, um, non-radio show, non you know, like 78 rec- recording. We were the, the, uh, uh, the only, um, theater piece that, and that's yeah. really what we invented back in the sixties and seventies. Well, let's, let's the, the, a kind of theater for for radio, which then turned into a theater on records, and uh, and we managed to um, well over the years do about twenty albums. Now, did you radio. all equally write the pieces, or yeah, were there one or two of them? The weirdest thing about us is we are essentially a cooperative. We're like communists. I don't. Look, You're communists. Like you're not yeah, capitalist. We can't have you. This is the Glenn Beck show. They're communist. <laughs> actually, I actually spoke today and yesterday to Van Jones. And Glenn, how you doing? Let's all get together and get behind a bunch of rich people and push them forward so that they can possibly help us. <laughs> right. Anyway, so you all, as a collective, you write this stuff. Let's hear a little bit more of it. Greg, just uh, just uh, spin the wheel and let's see what we come up with. 
Tony? Yes, Ned? Remember when you had to bring smelly old Irish priests into your house to rid loved ones of hideous demons like Beelzebub, Katzenberg, Obitz, and Cher? I sure do. Tony, are you tired of pea stains on your Persians and pea soup flashed all over your ice-cold bedroom floor? I sure am. Well, your prayers have been answered. No! Here's the man with the machine that's turning heads all over Christendom. Thank you, Ned, and hello, folks. Are you excited? Yes! I'm excited. Let's not wait a second. Let me bring in our world-class discoverer and valedictorian of the Guadalajara Overnight School of Medicine, the inventor of the Devil Master, Dr. Bill Infermo. Bill, Bill, what yes. in the name of all that's holy possessed you to invent this infernal machine? Well, as you know, Tony, everybody has one or two great thoughts, and mine was simple. We're all doomed. Okay, bad dinker. A good starting point. I, I think, think we can agree with that. Right, we can. We can. So, where do we go from here? Well... Uh, then, I had a second thought. I, I thought to myself that just because you're surrounded by evil doesn't mean you can't make some money from it. Oh! <laughs> Jesus. Well, there you go. Words to live by. Okay, now which one was that? Give us some context for that one. That is from an album we made fairly recently on Rhino Records called Give Me Immortality or Give Me Death. <laughs> Wait, David, am I wrong? Or is that from Boom Dot Bust? Uh, I think it's from Give Me Immortality, which is yeah, okay. a tribute to the, uh, the 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 boomer generation, because at that point it was like, you know, give me immortality or give me death. That was in 2000. We yeah. we uh, did we we did the the millennium a millennium trio. The second one was Boom Dot Bust. We got that right, and yeah. um, and and the third was uh, the. Uh, the Bride of Firesign, which um, it takes characters from all of our albums, Nick Danger, Porgy Tire Biter, and uh, Mudhead, and spins them all together into a kind of a strange Abbott and Costello uh, comedy mystery. And that that trio came out from from uh, from Rhino just around uh, the the millennium. Uh, and of course, the title of the whole series is "We're Doomed." Yeah. We're doomed. And as you can tell, Richard, as you can tell from listening to our material, we're not your average comedians. We seem to be sort of vaguely different somehow. Right, Herb. Well, my call screener is a professional comedian. His name is Herb. He's actually uh, surprisingly funny. Um, <laughs> and, and, <laughs> um, so you know, some people they wait tables or whatever. You know, Herb comes and he he you know surfs porn while on on, yeah. on my radio show. Anyway, Herb, did you want to talk to uh, Firesign Theater? Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Um, this seems to be like a, a an art form, a comedic art form that we we're losing. Is there any way to you know regenerate? Do you see a new generation of comedians playing with this type of of uh, format in in this particular medium, specifically radio? Uh, well, David, there are a lot of David. I'll, yeah, are you going? There, there are, are a lot of people who are, who are working in the not in radio but in audio online, and um, there's there's folks who are doing you know straight radio drama. There are people who are uh, you know adapting Sherlock Holmes and Charlie Chan. There are, and there are people who are seriously doing comedy and some really weird and wonderful stuff, but it's basically online. The um, the the art form of the LP record, of course, has disappeared, 
and um, and everything is downloaded now. So there's so what it was was uh, in in dealing with a phonograph record was a particular uh, canvas for us. It was a canvas with a hole in the middle and two different sides, and uh, we took that canvas very seriously at that time and and uh, manipulated it, and we had the good fortune of being able to, at Columbia uh, Record Studios, go from 4-track to 8-track to 16 to 32 to an infinite number of tracks. And uh, our goal was to make things sound real, but the content was completely weird. So that's good. That's an excellent description. Beautifully let, said. Let me point out too, Greg, that one of the, to me, one of the things that's happening right now, uh, if if you're interested in audio comedy, take a look at the Adult Swim block on Cartoon Network. Yes, on some TV good stuff on from there. ten o'clock on. And it, if you can't stand the animation, close your eyes and listen to the scripting and listening to the voice work on so many of the interesting series that are going on right now. To me, these are the guys, particularly out of Atlanta, uh, particularly guys that do 12-ounce mouse and Aquatine Hunger Force and a lot of things that maybe only your 13-year-old kids really know about that are, are, are doing uh, as inventive and crazy weird stuff as the Firesign Theater was doing in the 60s. And 70s. With that in mind, gentlemen, how do you feel about Family Guy, which seems to be a very popular I love recently. Family Guy. Yes, I'm a big fan, too. I'm a huge fan of Family Guy. No matter how insane it seems to other people, you've got to watch three or four episodes and you begin to see that there's a strange wisdom about it. Yes, very much so. Interesting. Well, we're going to take a break. We're talking to Phil Austin and David Osman from Fire Sign Theater, which strikes me, and I went to school, as I mentioned earlier today, in uh, England and became a huge fan of Monty Python. And there is something a little Monty Python-esque about your stuff. Uh, uh, are you fans yeah, of... Uh, Why, hold on, guys, one, one at a time. Going to do some crazy walking here. Yeah. No, and, and, come, at me with that, come at me with that raspberry. Be as vicious as you like. <laughs> have, have people compared you in any way to Monty Python in the past? We're oh, also yeah. called the American Monty Python. Well, there you go. There you go. Yeah, okay. They actually, they actually they followed us. Of course they did. <laughs> they're they're much, <laughs> much younger than you guys. Anyway, this yeah. is Richard Green with Fire Sign Theater and our special Hollywood comedy, Hollywood Cloud Comedy Night. We try to do something like this every Friday night here on Air America. We'll be right back. Monday, 6 till 9. It's Stephanie Miller on K Talk AM 1150. Progressive, the new mainstream. You're listening to Clout. Clout with Richard Green. It takes a village to raise the dead. <laughs> I'm Lord Eddie Beaverbrook, owner and chief insomniac at Unconscious Village. And it's the last day of our last day sale. So read them the gospel slick. Thanks, boss. Hey, put yourself down under this. It's a horn dog of Babylon. Struggle snuff, smother set in sulfur slack claw. You prophesize a price at a thousand dollars, but read my forehead. Six sixty-six sixty-six. Rise now, for I come to your bedroom with my long rod to measure you for the last bed you'll ever need. Oh, okay. 
notes. We got them all. You tell them, little Eddie. I said it, Dad. I'm up to my gonads in Rapture Softs, Christian Slaters, Lamb of Gods, Downey Juniors, and Seven Sillies at Unconscious Village. Okay, there you go. A little bit of Firesign Theater. We're on with Phil Austin and David Osman. They have been called by Entertainment Weekly one of the 30 greatest comedy acts of all time, Library of Congress said. The Beatles of comedy. Um, give us a little wow. context on that uh, that last little bit we just heard. Oh, well, that's one of our... Commercial. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's one of our millennial pieces. Yeah. And uh, and our our obviously strange expeditions into religion of some kind or another. Mm. Okay, it's it's sad, but the, these are the kind of things that interest us. We don't seem to be interested in dating jokes. We're not all that like Jeff Foxworthy or even Larry the Cable Guy. We seem to be oddly enough something different. But we're hoping that a progressive audience will think that it's uh, that we're wise enough that they might come and see us at the Barnsdale Gallery Theater on October 14th through 17th by going to FiresideTheater.com and buying tickets. Are you are you going to do any political stuff or make political comments? Since we know you're oh, big God, Rachel Maddow fans. Peter Berg, Peter Bergman is one of our uh, one of our uh, four members. Uh, we can't stay away from politics, mostly because of Peter. And what about what about Peter makes that impossible? He is, I would say, the most. I don't know, David. What would you say? He's uh, he is our most vocally liberal member. I would say. I'd agree yeah. with that, and uh, and also he's he's a guy who um, who who has you know has his own one man show going all the time. So yeah. you can always just, <laughs> yeah. just plug in to Peter, and he will give you you know one minute, five minutes, half an hour of his. Act. And let's remember and also our fourth member, who is Philip Proctor, who is uh, commonly known as Phil Proctor, who is uh, probably one of the single most entertaining human beings on the face of the earth, and the man responsible in the fire. And theaters work for the creation of a character called Ralph Spoilsport. I have friends, Ralph Spoilsport, owner and operator Ralph Spoilsport Motors here in the city of Empazima. I'm just imitating him, but I'm trying to give you the flavor. So, of so here's what he's the question. Like. Here's the question that I'm sure Herb has been thinking: How much of your writing was done under the influence? The influence of oxygen? Of anything. Any, anything. Of anything. Uh, Very, actually, uh, alcohol, it's drugs, scary, here's the LSD. Scary truth. We're like an actual bunch of normal human beings. Wow. We How tend to write our material. We tend to endlessly editorialize and criticize our material. We go over it with a fine tooth comb. Guys, I can't really say, although. Guys, we're going to have to leave the rest. As a mystery, we're talking to Phil Austin and David Osman from Firesign Theater. They're going to be out October 14th, uh, starting October 14th in Los Angeles. Go to firesigntheater.com. Thank you so much, guys. This is Richard Green on Hollywood Cloud. Have a great day.